Hello, good morning, and welcome to Thursday. Great to have your company, Marcus Paul, in the morning. It is February the 18th. How about you give me a call? Let me know what's on your mind this morning, 13 12 69. All the news and your views. If you want to send us a text, 0458 049 209. And as always, the email that's open for you. MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. If you want to send me a note that way, try and keep it as brief as you possibly can, though. All right, well, thank you to Michaela for the latest news, but, I mean, just thumbing through some of the headlines. Um, this morning I see Queen Elizabeth's husband, Prince Philip, has been admitted to hospital. The 99-year-old was feeling unwell and was taken to the King Edward Hospital in London as a precaution. 99, hey? The Duke of Edinburgh uh, walked unaided into the facility. Let's hope that he's going to be okay. A couple of shocks uh, last night in the Australian Open tennis. Unfortunately, uh, world number one, Ash Barty, is out. She lost her game and in a bit of a boil over as well, Rafa Nadal is also out. Meanwhile, in some brighter news, Dylan Alcott, uh, I think it was very, very late last night, that he played his singles wheelchair final and won. So uh, well done to Dylan Alcott. Uh, he's, uh, he's such a positive bloke. He said he'd play in a car park if he could. Anyway, he's won again, so congratulations to him. Uh, We're being told to be careful of scammers. More than six and a half million scam calls are being blocked each month in Australia. Some days there are a half a million dodgy calls being blocked. You believe this? That's to prevent people being defrauded. Telstra's regional general manager for northern New South Wales, Michael Myron, says scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic. Well, I think that was always going to be the case, wasn't it? Absolutely. Meantime, I see that our banks here in Australia are entering the next phase of their COVID-19 support as automatic loan deferrals come to an end. This moratorium on loans coming to an end and customers request fewer payment extensions. Now, the nation's largest banks report that 91% of deferred loans have now resumed payments. That's a lot, 91%. With just 5% of business loans and 13% of housing loans yet to recommence their payments. However, the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Banking Association, Anna Bly, former Queensland Premier, says they'll continue to help customers who do need ongoing support, and I imagine there'll be quite a few of those. All right, on today's program, after 8 o'clock, the leader of the federal opposition, Anthony Albanese, on the program. Plenty to talk about with Albo, and plenty to talk about in relation to what's going on in Canberra. Of course, uh, as always, yesterday, again, the major story was the alleged rape of a young Liberal staffer, Brittany Higgins, at the hands of a senior government advisor just prior to the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, announcing the most recent federal election. Has there been a cover-up? 
I noticed the Prime Minister slipped up yesterday when answering a question in Federal Parliament in relation to this. And my regular listeners will know that I believe the Prime Minister is being dishonest. I really do. I find it almost inconceivable that Scott Morrison claims he only knew about these allegations at the beginning of this week. I really find it inconceivable. I'm not the only one. You know, they're in trouble uh, in the federal government when some of their own start turning on them, including Skies, Peter Credlin. I mean, I, I guess you'd, you'd expect Malcolm Turnbull to come out and say that he, you know, doesn't believe or it's almost inconceivable or unrealistic that the Prime Minister didn't know of this incident that allegedly occurred inside one of his highest-profile ministers, Linda Reynolds' office. Anyway, we'll talk to Anthony Albanese about that this morning. I mean, should the Prime Minister be censured over whether or not he perhaps has misled Parliament? It's a very serious offence. Albo will have some detail on that for us this morning. Uh, Malcolm Roberts will join us as well. He'll talk about the government's industrial relations reform, these uh, IR laws. Uh, They are causing the government a bit of a headache as well. One Nation are proposing a reform potential to put workers' pay and conditions uh, at the forefront. Anyway, we'll see what happens uh, with Malcolm and what he has to say about it. Um, that'll be just after 7.30 this morning. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. 13 12 69 being the telephone number. Craig is there on the open line at a quarter past five. G'day, Craig. How are you, mate? Good morning, Marcus. The Liberal Party of Australia want to hang their heads in shame. The cover-up of the rape for Brittany Higgins is an absolute disgrace. And Scott Morrison, you've got some very serious questions to answer. Well, I think so. I think he absolutely does. All right. Thank you, Craig. Short and sweet. I mean, even yesterday, Brittany Higgins, the young Liberal staffer at the centre of these rape allegations... She came out and said very clearly that she was disappointed. She felt let down. I mean, she even accused the Prime Minister of this country of victim-blaming. So she's obviously not happy. That's why I, I tend to think there's more to come on this. In fact, I know there is. Her response yesterday, uh, we put it up on our social media page. And thank you for... Everybody uh, being involved in that hashtag, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Uh, Brittany says, I've only been made aware of the key elements of my own sexual assault as a result of coming forward publicly with my story. She continues, I didn't know that security guards let me into Minister Reynolds' office. I didn't know that security guards came into the office multiple times seeing me in a state of of undress. I didn't know they were undertaking an internal review into how the matter was handled at the time. I didn't know that they debated calling an ambulance at the time of the incident. The continued victim-blaming rhetoric by the Prime Minister is personally and very distressing to me and countless other survivors. A current senior staffer to the Prime Minister 
and my former Chief of Staff refused to provide me with access to the CCTV footage from that evening and continually made me feel as if my ongoing employment would be jeopardised if I proceeded any further with the matter. The government has questions to answer for their own conduct. That's directly from Brittany Higgins. What do you make of it? 13, 12, 69. Uh, Meanwhile, the man at the centre of these allegations, the former Liberal Party staffer that Miss Higgins has accused of raping her in the office of Defence Minister Linda, Linda Reynolds, has reportedly checked himself into hospital here in Sydney. Uh, Now, apparently, uh, sources close to this man confirmed to the Daily Telegraph yesterday that this bloke drove himself to Royal North Shore Hospital and checked himself in yesterday, just a couple of days after Brittany Higgins went public, alleging that she'd been raped by him. A source said the man had not self-harmed but was concerned and had sought psychiatric care. Now, this fella can't be named for legal reasons. A lot of us know who he is, but he's not currently under police investigation. And we should remember that he's never been charged. But after initially reporting the incident to the Australian Federal Police back in April 2019, Miss Higgins has not made a formal complaint and there is currently no active investigation into the allegations. Anyway... As I said, Miss Higgins claims she has only become aware of the details around her own alleged rape as a result of coming forward publicly, and she has accused Scott Morrison of victim blaming. She responded to report security guards at Parliament House had seen the young staffer in a state of undress after the alleged incident and debated calling an ambulance. All right, John is on the open line, 13, 12, 69. Morning, John. Good morning. Morning, mate. Am I on air? Yes, you are, sir. All right, uh, Scott Morrison, uh, you know, um, he's supposed to be a religious bloke. Uh, they're not supposed to lie. They're the biggest bloody liars you could ever learn. Uh, you know, when do we ever get a politician to tell the truth? Well, I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, telling a few porky pies out on the hustings and misleading Parliament. It's, in my opinion, John, that Scott Morrison quite clearly has misled Parliament. I mean, he mucked it up yesterday with dates. Uh, and I, I know, I've, I've had it confirmed to me by those pretty close to the victim. As, as I've mentioned, I, uh, I know the victim's partner. I mean... <laughs> Apart from blaming, I guess, the victim, the other bad part of what's going on with the Prime Minister at the moment and the Prime Minister's office is the fact that like, they're having a little trouble with their recollections of the truth. And again, as I say, I, I can't for the life of me accept that the Prime Minister, the man who holds the highest office in the land, did not know about an internal investigation into an incident that could effectively end his prime ministership. I don't buy it for a moment. I'm sorry, I I simply don't. And the way this whole thing's been handled this week by the PMO shows exactly how out of touch they are with 
average Australians. It's been more of a box-ticking exercise. And that's exactly how the victim has described it from the get-go. 13, 12, 69. Good morning to you all. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. Yeah, our chat yesterday with Helen Dalton uh, is up on video, uh, up at 2smsupernetwork.com. Just click onto our show page. 22 minutes after five now with Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. We're going to try and catch up with... Uh, Greg Warren, who's the Campbelltown or MacArthur MP on the program, maybe just after six o'clock. Uh, he's been in touch with the program this morning and they're demanding that the Berejiklian government explain exactly how the billions of dollars collected from Western Sydney residents in stamp duty over the past decade has been spent. Figures obtained show the stamp duty by the state government more than tripled from $612 million in 2011 and 12, when the New South Wales Liberals came to power, to almost $2 billion by 2015-16. From 2011-12 to 2019-2020, the government's raked in almost $13 billion in stamp duty from Western Sydney residents. Where are the schools? Where are the extra hospitals? Where is the staff in these hospitals? Plenty of questions to ask. Greg Warren on the program soon. All right, welcome back to the program. 131269 is the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Uh, it's Thursday, February 18. Uh, Dennis, thank you for holding on, mate. How are you? I'm good. You? All right, thank you, Dan. What's on your mind? Mate, I think we might have to change the Prime Minister's name to Jim Carey. Liar, 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 cover-up. They're as bad as a lie, aren't they? Well, uh, I don't know. I, I, it, look, the issue for me is whether or not the Prime Minister has misled the Parliament. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think he has. Yeah, and that's how you start looking. And this guy that's allegedly committed it, he signed himself in, what, for sympathy or just for a cover-up? Well, I've got to be a little careful because there'd be a lot of pressure on him. Um, but yes, he's uh, he's gone and apparently uh, you know, like, taken himself to Royal North Shore and checked in under the Mental Health Act or, or something. Uh, but that's beside the point. At the end of the day, uh, the police will take care of this now. Uh, the police yep. investigation will get underway uh, and justice, one way or another, will be served. Uh, but I think the bigger issue is for the people of Australia as to whether or not they can trust their Prime Minister. Yeah. That's it, you know, you've got to... He, he, as you said, he, he hides the, holds the highest post, you know. And, and the, the matter of the fact is whether you're Liberal or Labor, if you are the Prime Minister, you have got to serve the whole nation. You can't take sides and say, oh, you know, I want your seat so we'll give you a bit more money and all this, this is... This is becoming a bloody rot. They're all admitting it. Like Gladys admitted it the other week, didn't she? She gave $250 million to somewhere and whatever and then destroyed the evidence. Well, I got another example of it this morning. Uh, this is even, uh, you know, News Corp are getting amongst it now. Uh, High-profile Minister Matt Keane has stood smiling, opening an upgrade to his local railway station this week. 
Meanwhile, people like 93-year-old Martha Lynch in Western Sydney and Doonside can't reach the platform because there's no upgrades done yet. A uh, tale of three train stations has revealed how swathes of Sydney have been left behind in multi-million dollar upgrades to help people in wheelchairs and mothers with prams access public transport. And look, <laughs> of course, the blue ribbon Hornsby electorate, uh, you know, money's obviously been spent there. No money out west, though, in Labor Heartland in New South yeah. Wales in Doonside. Yeah, you know, it's just, well, where I live, you know, it, or where I am here in Port Stephen, it's Labor, 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 Labor because of the mines and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they reap, reap the money from the bloody mines and the holiday thing that there was a, a lot of expectation up here over Christmas and, of course, when the, the thing hit again, it, it went from 15000 to ten, but there was still a lot of people spent money up here. Yeah. Look, I don't know, Dennis. Well, all we can do is keep exposing it and hope that things change, mate. Now, on the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, here is what happened yesterday in federal parliament. The Prime Minister has the call. Speaker, as I said this morning, I became aware of the alleged sexual assault uh, at about 8.30 yesterday morning. That is true. That is when I became aware of it, Mr Speaker. And the first that my office uh, became aware of an alleged sexual assault, I'm advised... Uh, was on the 5th of April of this year. What? Huh? Sorry. No, the, the 12th... I'm sorry, I've misread that. Apologies. The 12th of February 2021. That's when my office first became aware, I'm advised, of, of an alleged sexual assault. Members on both... I don't know. Is it just me? Because on the 5th of April 2019, that was when... Police in Canberra first received notice of the incident and opened up an investigation. One week before the federal election was called. I'm sorry, Prime Minister, you absolutely knew. Wake up in the morning. Wake up. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM. Okay, uh, 20 minutes to six. Can you believe this? A man has been charged over the alleged attempted murder of a baby in the state's Hunter region last year. On Saturday, December 12, that's last December, police received reports that a then-aged five-month-old girl had been taken to a local hospital suffering critical injuries. She was later transferred to John Hunter Hospital for ongoing treatment. Now, the matter was referred to detectives, in particular, detectives from the State Crime Command's Child Abuse and Sex Crime Squad, who started an investigation. Following their inquiries, they attended a home in Cessnock, where they arrested a 26-year-old man just before 9 o'clock yesterday morning. The man, who is known to the child, was taken to Cessnock Police Station, where he was charged with the child's attempted murder. He was refused bail and appeared before Cessnock Local Court, where he was formally refused bail to reappear before the same court on Wednesday, April 14. Now, the Child Abuse and Sex Crime Squad, they do a great job. They're comprised of detectives who are specially trained to investigate matters against children and adults, including sexual assault, serious physical abuse and extreme cases of neglect. And uh, from police this morning... They've been in contact with us. They say anyone who has concerns about suspected child abuse or exploitation, you should immediately 
immediately call Crime Stoppers on one eight hundred triple three triple zero. But fancy that, eh? It's all alleged at this point in time, but obviously, police believe they have enough evidence to charge this bloke. Known to a child, a, a baby, a five-month-old girl. And this bloke, who's known to her, this 26-year-old from Cessnock, has now been charged with her attempted murder. It's sickening. It really is sickening. Look, I noticed uh, Peter Cochran on Alan Jones's program last night on Sky. Alan and Peter last night said that currently Kosciuszko Rangers trapping Brumbies are now sending them to Anakery. They also claim mares are being separated from foals. It is foaling season and the foals are being orphaned and running wild for dogs to kill them. So they both haven't held back, I see, on blaming the Minister for Environment, Mac Keane, on his mishandling of the issue. Well, that's no good. Meantime, families from the Goulburn Mulwari local government area, which has been rehoming Brumbies from Kosciuszko National Park in the Snowies, say the New South Wales government should implement an incentive for others to do the same. Carolyn Hamard and her cousins recently rehomed five Brumbies to their farm in Talong and are working with around 12 other Goulburn Mulwari residents to rehome more. I mean, maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's one of the solutions to this problem. I don't necessarily agree with Alan and Peter's assumption that these Brumbies... Look, I don't know. Is, Is Peter Cochran saying that they should be just allowed to roam free in the Kosciuszko National Park and continue to, unfortunately, do environmental damage. It's pretty clear that they are. So we need to come up with a solution. And I, look, of course, allowing these Brumbies to be uh, just, I don't know, just uh, inhumanely attacked by wild dogs, well, I mean, that that can't go on. That absolutely is abhorrent. Absolutely, it's abhorrent. So what are you going to do about it, Matt Keane? What are we going to do here? I mean, at the end of the day, if people are happy to take on these wild horses, maybe break them in or something, maybe that is the solution in the longer term, but something does need to be done. And... If Brumbies are to be culled, which is awful, I agree. I don't like seeing Brumbies being culled and certainly I don't like uh, the inhumane treatment of them, allowing wild dogs to track them and kill them. But if something needs to be done from a political point of view, money needs to perhaps be spent to get these horses and Brumbies, whatever you want to call them, wild horses, pests, whatever you want to call them, there needs to be a better solution than what's currently going on. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Look, many Brumby advocates believe there are far fewer than the 14,000 Brumbies in the park that the government claims there is and that removing the wild horses isn't the answer. As we know, a spring 2020 population survey estimated there were more than 14,000 Brumbies across the Kosciuszko National Park which New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro says is too high. 
He says a sustainable number is around three to 4,000. The New South Wales Department of Planning, Industry and Environment says the need to remove the horses is based on strong scientific evidence that shows the introduced animals damage the park's fragile alpine and subalpine environment, including trampling ecosystems, eroding waterways and destroying key habitats for threatened species. So what is the most humane way of dealing with this problem? Well, some Brumby advocates say that perhaps uh, immunocontraceptive vaccines are the answer to control Brumby numbers. They say that they think that that method is the most humane. And they claim that the horses are amazing. The ones that they've rehomed in Goulburn took a few days uh, to leave their holding yard because they were frightened and scared, but they're harmless. They just sit there and graze. Well, better that they graze somewhere on somebody's private property in Goulburn than destroying a fragile ecosystem in the Royal Kosciuszko National Park. If you want to have your say on this, 13 12 69. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton charged you and I, simple taxpayers, more than $36,000 to charter a Royal Australian Air Force jet to Tasmania. And we're just supposed to cop it and move on as if, you know, we dealt with this last week. Senator Christina Keneally. No, we're not. And, and that's why in my role as Shadow Minister for Government Accountability, it's my job and that of all my colleagues, while we are in opposition, to hold this government to account because this is taxpayer money. Peter Dutton spent $36,000 for a 24-hour trip to Tasmania to announce these grants in the middle of a by-election. What do you call a fake noodle? <laughs> what do you call a fake noodle, David, my friend? An impasta. <laughs> Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, nine minutes away from six. Now, we know on Monday uh, there'll be some 35,000-plus critical hotel quarantine and healthcare workers getting their first COVID-19 jab. That's the vaccine from Monday. The Pfizer jab will initially be rolled out over a three-week period in New South Wales. And anti-vaxxers have been warned by not only our health minister in New South Wales, Brad Hazard, but the Premier as well. Uh, I mean, Mr Hazard said yesterday, anti-vaxxers who don't want to get a COVID jab must be completely crackers. Uh, Mr Hazard said earlier this week that Monday will be a monumental day for New South Wales and for all of us. Uh, We've been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic in this state for some 13 months now. Healthcare workers with the greatest exposure to potential COVID cases will be included as well in the first round of jabs. The vaccines will be administered in three hubs at Westmead, Liverpool and RPA in the city. The vaccines, of course, will be secured And security guards working in hotel quarantine who refuse to get the jab could be out of a job. I mean, there's been plenty of suggestions 
that perhaps other employers may want to have their employees jabbed. Well, what do you make of it? I mean, the Premier says it's the government's intention to ensure everyone working in the border program gets the jab. More than 3,000 people arriving in Sydney from overseas each week. Well, of course, these people need to be a priority. So the first COVID-19 vaccinations will take place from Monday in Australia. Will you get it? Are you concerned? I mean, there is some, well, I don't know, is it scaremongering? Is it fear-mongering? There are some suggestions that there will be uh, some employers that'll basically say, look, no jab, no job. Well, is that right? I don't think they legally can, can they? No jab, no job. I don't know. I mean, in New South Wales, we've just recorded our 31st day without a locally transmitted case of COVID-19. There we go. So this whole scare campaign of no jab, no job, I don't think stacks up, to be perfectly honest. You want to have you say 131269? Marcus Paul in the morning. Cake by the ocean sounds good to me. <laughs> DNCE. And uh, look, there's probably a reason uh, why a lot of radio stations do a little edit on that, and we'll do the same. No cake for us. Anyway, you don't really notice it, do you? Marcus Paul in the morning. We're off to the newsroom in just a couple of moments. It's a few minutes away from six. Uh, Damien, thank you, mate, for your note on our Facebook page. Marcus, if the Brumbies are to be cold, I think it should be a contract offered to a professional rue harvester as they've had the appropriate training. All right, mate, thank you. 2SM Sydney Traffic. A build-up of traffic centenary drive approaching Arthur Street. Parramatta Road between Woodville Road down towards James Drive. Looking at a high volume of city-bound traffic. Also, Preston's M5M7 clear. General Homes Drive approaching Foreshaw Road. A good run down towards that mascot area. Your local Caltex may have changed to Ampol branding, but your Star Card and the new Ampol Card are both accepted at Caltex and Ampol branded locations. Look out for the red and blue A today. That's the latest traffic with Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Well, I've been listening to you guys for probably about a year, two years now. I really enjoy the show. Marcus Paul in the morning. Brent Voltitude in the afternoon. Talk and sport with the boys. Talk tonight with Graham Gilbert. And in 2021, the king of radio, John Laws, will continue to keep the dream alive. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Our pets can do no wrong, even when they're Five, doing wrong. Four, three, two, and you're still here. Which is why brands like these choose radio. You see, every impression you pay for makes an impression. There's no countdown, blocker, fast forward, or skip button. Your message is guaranteed to get through. And right now, with so many people tuning in to feel more connected, it's the right time to connect with your customers. For cut through that gets results. 
Visit radioaware.com. You know, when it comes to building, why don't you consider the PAL kit home alternative? With PAL, you can own a build or own a manage, and either way, you're going to save a lot of money. Let PAL put you in charge of your home building project and budget. Australia's most experienced and trusted kit home supplier for more than 50 years. That's PAL. Find out more at pwlkithomes.com.au or you can phone them 1800 024 912 Peters of Kensington is the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping online or in store. Whichever you choose, an abundance of fine quality products awaits. Kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas are just part of the huge range. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, the especially themed hampers are a great alternative to something more traditional. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au Why in the world would you shop anywhere else? Danny's Seafood Restaurant offers everything you'd expect when dining out. A superb location, outstanding value, excellent service and an extensive menu catering for all tastes. Anytime is a good time for beautiful, fresh seafood. And if you haven't yet tried Danny's famous fish and chips, do it soon. Other popular choices include fresh lobster, oysters and crabs, as well as tender, juicy steaks and pastas. Danny's Seafood Restaurant, boasting spectacular water views over Botany Bay, Anzac Parade, La Perouse. 2SM Super Network News. News. Good morning, I'm McKay Savage. A woman who was allegedly raped in a ministerial office at Parliament House has accused the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, of victim-blaming. Brittany Higgins was a staffer in Linda Reynolds' office when she was sexually assaulted by a senior staffer in March 2019. It's been revealed Employment Minister Michaelia Cash knew something had happened in the office in October that year, but Ms Cash says she only learned on February 5 this year that it was an alleged sexual assault. Queen Elizabeth's husband, Prince Philip, has been admitted to hospital. The 99-year-old was feeling unwell and was taken to the King Edward Hospital in London as a precaution. The Duke of Edinburgh has walked unaided into the facility. Police have charged a man over the attempted murder of a baby girl in the New South Wales Hunter region. The five-month-old girl was found critically injured at a home in December last year and was rushed to hospital. Police arrested a 26-year-old man in Cessnock yesterday. The man, who's known to the child, appeared in court yesterday and has been refused bail to face Cessnock local court in April. Police have charged a 30-year-old man with arson over a fire on the Sunshine Coast last year. The man is accused of setting fire to a Mullaney property on March 18, 2020. He was seriously injured in the blaze, but a woman and a child who are known to him escaped uninjured. He's also been charged with contravention of a domestic violence order and will face court next month. The five-day circuit breaker lockdown in Victoria has put immense pressure on small businesses in the state. The Victorian government is under pressure to introduce a support package to businesses who suffered big losses over the Valentine's Day and Lunar New Year weekend. The Australian small business and family enterprise ombudsman Kate Carnell says businesses need to be compensated. These are small businesses that have lost flowers, stock, vegetables, meat, fish, The list goes on and it's essential that the Victorian government announces a compensation package which will cover small businesses for the stock that they've lost and also for expenses that they've incurred as a result of the five-day lockdown. 
US talkback host Rush Limbaugh has died. Limbaugh was diagnosed with lung cancer in February last year. He was 70. A man's died in a single vehicle crash near the New South Wales-Victoria border. The car he was driving left the road near Warkool and hit a tree. The driver, aged in his 50s, died at the scene. There are calls for new superannuation laws to rid the system of underperformers. It's claimed the government's proposed benchmark tests need to be strengthened to include all fees and charges. Industry Super Australia Chief Executive Bernie Dean says administration fees have been excluded from the test. Millions of Australians who might not already know that their savings are locked into a stud super fund, these laws are going to do nothing to change that. Uh, Instead... These laws will shield the poorest performing super funds from scrutiny so that they can go on creaming profits from their members without having to justify it. It actually does look like the government's trying to play favourites here. And investigations into the solar winds hack will take months to complete. Nine federal agencies and about 100 private companies have been compromised. 8,000 entities downloaded malicious software as a result of the hacking operation. Updating sport, there are no more Aussies left in the main competition of the Australian Open, but fans are celebrating another huge win for Dylan Orcott, who won victory in the quad wheelchair singles overnight. It's his seventh straight win. He defeated Dutchman Sam Schroeder 6-1, Six Love. Ash Barty was knocked out of the women's yesterday, as was Rafael Nadal from the men's. This afternoon, uh, Serena Williams will play Naomi Osaka before Jennifer Brady and Karolina Mohova go head to head. Then world number one Novak Djokovic will battle Aslan Karatsev. Collingwood has established an anti-racism advisory group in response to the Do Better report. Backlash about the way the club handled the findings prompted longtime president Eddie Maguire to step down earlier this month. AFL Executive General Manager of Social Policy and Inclusion, Tanya Hosh, and former player Daniel Wells are in the new group. And in the Marsh Sheffield Shield at Stumps, Victoria is trailing New South Wales by 104 runs with 10 wickets remaining. In finance, the Dow Jones is up 14 points at 31,537 and one Australian dollars buying 77.48 US cents. This is Super Network News. 2SM Sydney weather. Partly cloudy today and a high chance of showers later on. Winds are south to southeasterly, tending south to southwesterly later this morning. We're heading for top temperatures of 26 degrees in the city and 25 in the west. Looking further ahead, partly cloudy with possible showers on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. At the moment in the city, it's 21, Bankstown 18 and Richmond 18. That's the latest 2SM News. I'm Michaela Savage. Now back to Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. What's your name? Marcus Paul in the morning. Our hashtag water warrior is Murray MP Helen Dalton. I'm happy to say Helen joins us in the studio. You say that our watchdogs are turning into nothing more than lapdogs. It's because the government controls their funding. Last year, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party introduced a bill into the upper house to make sure that watchdogs are independently funded and separate from the Premier and Cabinet. Yeah. Uh, and um, so as, as soon as tomorrow... Tomorrow we could be bringing that bill um, into the lower house, so I'll sure. be taking carriage of that. Unless we can have some independent regulation or regulators, we will always have somebody rotting the system. While the other mobs playing thousands of ads in between reading scripts, we're bringing you all the news and views. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM. 
unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, good morning. Welcome to the program. If you're just joining us for the first time, it is a Thursday and it's February 18, 2021. High chance of showers again for Sydney, tops of around 26 degrees. Good morning to our listeners in the central west of New South Wales via Orange 2EL. And good morning to those who catch us in Bathurst as well. Partly cloudy today for you. The medium chance of showers, mainly around the Blue Mountains and 22 degrees. And for the mid-north coast today, good morning to our friends on FM uh, 93.5 and Radio 531 up around Port Macquarie and surrounds on the mid-north coast. All thanks to 40 Winks, Port Macquarie. Marcus Paul in the mornings here for you. And up there in Coffs Harbour as well, 639 2HC in Coffs. Well, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has promised an independent review of how Parliament supports its members' staff. We know the story now. We absolutely know what's going on here. It's all after, of course, the former Liberal worker Brittany Higgins accused a, well, what they call a senior Liberal staffer of raping her on the couch inside a minister's office in Parliament House. Mr Morrison yesterday appealed to all sides of politics to back the review because it would be done at arm's length from the government. Arm's length. Righto. He said that it is his expectation that this review would result, uh, consult rather, widely across parliamentarians and their staff, the departments and agencies they support uh, that support their work, etc. It goes on and on and on. ScoMo, you're not fooling anybody. You are simply not fooling anybody. You've already got an investigation going on. It's been held in secret, and your mob, mob have covered this stuff up for, what, nearly two years now? Nearly. This March it'll be two years. Or April, or whatever date you fluffed up on yesterday. I mean, an anonymous tip about criminal conduct in Parliament House sparked a security review late last year to examine whether officials had interfered with a suspected crime scene later named in allegations of rape. Former Federal Security Inspector General Vivian Tom was called in to review the explosive claims and view footage of closed-circuit television to check serious allegations against officials in the building. The anonymous warning fueled concern that officials sent cleaners into the office of Defence Minister Linda Reynolds on Saturday, March 23, 2019, and destroyed evidence of a crime. Former advisor Brittany Higgins says she was raped by a colleague in the office after security guards let her in and the man as well into the building late on the previous night. So, Scott Morrison, even though you've promised this independent review of the way Parliament supports its members' staff after these allegations, there are already reviews ongoing, and you can't expect the populace of Australia to believe that you didn't know that this was going on. I'm sorry, I'll speak to Anthony Albanese a little later this morning, and I think he should call for your resignation immediately. I mean, if, if there has been a security view, review at Parliament House and a secretive inquiry into these allegations ongoing already, you mean to tell me that the Prime Minister, the man who holds the highest office in this country, didn't know about it? 
Get off the grass, ScoMo. Get off the grass. Dr Tom became one of a small group of people, apparently, to view the CCTV footage. Well, that's nice, Dr Tom. Brittany Higgins has been asking for that footage for a while now. Nobody's provided it to her, you know. Remember her? She's actually the victim of the alleged crime. Why can't she see it? I understand from a criminal or police perspective, maybe that's a no-no. I don't know, but it seems everybody has been given access to a whole... I mean, yesterday, Brittany put out a statement saying, you know, I didn't know that the security guards had seen me with my dress halfway up my body and, you know, seen me in a state of undress. Imagine how she feels this morning, the poor thing. Now, apparently, no ministers or ministerial staff have viewed the footage. That's according to statements given to the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Now, the Department of Parliamentary Services runs the building. Who's in charge of the Department of Parliamentary Services? You need to go as well. Dr Tom, who was Inspector General of Intelligence and Security for five years and Deputy Commonwealth Ombudsman before that, found no substance to the claim that a senior official within DPS instructed cleaners to have the suite cleaned. Well, it's been well established the suite was cleaned and if no, and that if no senior official within DPS instructed it to be cleaned, who was it then? The minister? Linda Reynolds? Was it her chief of staff? Was it the woman who managed, M-A-N-A-G-E-D, managed and ticked boxes in the days after the alleged incident? You know, the, the minister's chief of staff? I mean, it's the whole thing stinks to high heaven. If I sound cranky about it this morning, I bloody well am. Because I'm sorry, again, they're taking us for mugs. They're taking Australians for mugs. Dr Tom also found no substance to claims that a senior official within DPS asked staff to amend incident reports to delete information about what took place on the Friday night and the Saturday morning. The extraordinary review was ordered by the House of Representatives Speaker Tony Smith and Senate President Scott Ryan in June last year after the anonymous tip, which also made allegations on matters beyond the events in Senator Reynolds' suite. So again, if this review was ordered by the House of Representatives Speaker Tony Smith and the Senate President Scott Ryan, you mean to tell me that there's no way on this earth that the Prime Minister, the man who holds the highest office in this country, didn't know about it? Well, I'm sorry, I call BS. The two presiding officers who are responsible for Parliament House also sent the accusations to the Australian Federal Police, which checked with DPS on the way to the incident in March 2019 was handled. All of these people handling things. Handling things. In a sign of the concern of a cover-up, the AFP inquiries included whether there was any criminality, such as, quote, unquote, any attempts to conceal or interfere with a suspected crime scene in Parliament. The AFP was able to establish that both DPS and Parliamentary Security Services staff were involved in the response to this incident and that there was no disclosures of sexual assault made on the day of the incident and therefore actions taken by them were not in response to a suspected crime. Irrespective of the absence of criminality... The AFP liaised heavily with the DPS regarding its, uh, this incident and the way in which it was handled. All right, well, even if these findings debunk claims that security officers knew of a sexual assault on the day, 
and they failed to respond and ordered a steam clean. Somebody did. Somebody ordered a steam clean. The review does not conclude there was a special steam cleaning of the suite. The standard cleaning was due on the Saturday, but was done on the Saturday... Sorry, the standard cleaning was due on the Sunday, but was not done then. It was done on the Saturday because, apparently, the Department of Finance, which manages the ministerial wing of the building, was told of the late-night access. Well, how convenient. As revealed in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age yesterday, the department told Senator Ryan of the security breach in the building on March 27 and told Mr Smith on April 8. Neither of the presiding officers discuss this with the Prime Minister's office. Really? Why not? I mean, the Prime Minister's already expressed extreme disappointment in the Minister for not apparently advising him of this incident. How long before Scott Morrison throws Linda Reynolds under the bus. 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you want to send us an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. I mean, all of these inquiries, all of these secretive inquiries going on, and we're led to believe that the Prime Minister of this country didn't know about it. A woman is allegedly raped in his house... That is, the Parliament of Australia and the highest office holder in this land isn't told about it? Well, he should have been. And when he was told about it, it shouldn't have been hushed up. Anyway, as I say, uh, the PM has called for an independent review of how Parliament supports its members' staff after this incident. Maybe this independent review could start with explaining consent. I don't know. If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh my God, I would love a cup of tea. Thank you. Then you know they want a cup of tea. If you say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Then you can make them a cup of tea or not. But be aware that they might not drink it. And if they don't drink it, then... And this is the important bit. Don't make them drink it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you're entitled to watch them drink it. And if they say, no thank you, then don't make them tea. At all. Just don't make them tea. Don't make them drink tea. Don't get annoyed at them for not wanting tea. They just don't want tea, okay? They might say, yes please, that's kind of you. And then when the tea arrives, they actually don't want the tea at all. Sure, that's kind of annoying, as you've gone to all the effort of making the tea, but they remain under no obligation to drink the tea. They did want tea, now they don't. Some people change their mind in the time it takes to boil the kettle, brew the tea and add the milk. And it's okay for people to change their mind, and you are still not entitled to watch them drink it. And if they are unconscious, don't make them tea. Unconscious people don't want tea, And they can't answer the question, do you want tea? Because they're unconscious. Okay, maybe they were conscious when you asked them if they wanted tea, and they said yes, but in the time it took you to boil the kettle or brew the tea and add the milk, they are now unconscious. You should just put the tea down, make sure the unconscious person is safe, and this is the important part again, don't make them drink the tea. They said yes then, sure, but unconscious people don't want tea.
if someone said yes to tea, started drinking it, and then passed out before they'd finished it, don't keep on pouring it down their throat. Take the tea away. Make sure they are safe, because unconscious people don't want tea. Trust me on this. If someone said yes to tea around your house last Saturday, that doesn't mean they want you to make them tea all the time. They don't want you to come around to their place unexpectedly and make them tea and force them to drink it, going, but you wanted tea last week, or to wake up to find you pouring tea down their throat, going, but you wanted tea last night. If you can understand how completely ludicrous it is to force people to have tea when they don't want tea, and you are able to understand when people don't want tea, then how hard is it to understand when it comes to sex? Whether it's tea or sex, consent is everything. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. 19 after 6, Nada, good morning. Oh, good morning, Marcus. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, firstly, I want to congratulate you on your engagement. Oh, very kind. Wonderful Thank you. news. Thank you and so I want much. to wish, wish you and Ash the very best of everything for the future. Thank you. Um, have a wonderful life together. And, yeah, and what a busy week with news. No, oh, just a bit geez, going you're on. Been, you're just been full on, haven't you? Well, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed, time. Nada. A lot annoyed. of noise, a lot of noise. Mm. And you're doing so well in presenting everything um, the way you do. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to really say was up to well, just very thoroughly kind of enjoy. You. Thoroughly you. enjoy your show. I wake up early in the morning sometimes, other times I kind of tune in a little bit later and yep. depend, depending when I um, wake up, but uh, I love your show and I've got to commend you too for giving Mr Laws a well-earned break and <laughs> filling in for him. You did a great job there. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks, so Nana. All right, well, that, I appreciate your that call. That great. Anyway, have a great day, okay, and congratulations again. Thanks. Very kind. Thanks, Nada. Bye. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, Peter has sent us an email in relation to uh, the Brumbies. G'day, Marcus. I also saw Peter Cochran on Alan Jones last night. I understand the reasons why that horse, why horses need to be culled, but I can't understand why they need to be trapped and sent to a knackery. I think we have to promote the action of rehoming these amazing creatures. Anyone can be a rehomer as long as they have adequate food, water, shelter, care, and an appropriate facility. And ensure the horses are never returned to publicly managed lands. Matt Keane needs to look into this solution, not cull, nor trap, nor send them to knackeries. Thank you for bringing the subject up. All right, Pete, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Here we go. Uh, Lisa says, Marcus, the main reason why this was all hushed up is because there was an election a few weeks later. It's a bad place when things like this are hushed up because of an impending election. Thank you, Lisa, for your comment. And Lynn as well. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com for your emails. G'day, Marcus. If Scott Morrison is lying, how can he sack Linda Reynolds? She could then disclose the truth regards Lynn. All right, a New South Wales tradie is in hospital after being crushed by a rubbish chute on Sydney's lower north shore. This happened uh, yesterday morning. Awful story. In Neutral Bay, 
At around 9.30, emergency services were called to a construction site. The man was found trapped under a 250-kilogram garbage chute. He'd suffered severe pelvic and suspected spinal injuries. He was treated at the scene before being taken to Royal North Shore Hospital. All right, well, we can only hope that uh, this man recovers and our thoughts are with him and his family. All right, uh, we're trying to track down uh, the member for MacArthur, member for Campbelltown. Uh, We're hoping we can get Greg Warren on the program after the 6.30 news. He's demanding the government explain exactly how the billions of dollars collected from Western Sydney residents in stamp duty in the past decade has been spent. The figures are amazing. No more. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. More news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is, a, is a, a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jodie McCain joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter of support. The letter itself is not attached so all it says is Jody McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and, and mud raking. Get up. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is a a, a really shocking one and and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jodie McCain joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter of support. The letter itself is not attached, so all it says is Jody McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and, and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Less ads means more of your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, 21 minutes away from 7 o'clock. Look, Australian banks are entering the next phase of their COVID-19 support as automatic loan deferrals come to an end and customers request fewer payment extensions. Uh, The largest banks out there report that nearly 91% of deferred loans have now resumed payments as normal, with just 5% of business loans and 13% of housing loans yet to recommence payments. Uh, The CEO of Australian Banking Association, Anna Bly, has told us they'll continue to help consumers who need ongoing support. 
All right, well, there are calls that the New South Wales government needs to explain exactly how the billions of dollars collected from Western Sydney residents in stamp duty in the past decade has been spent. Uh, Let's talk to Greg Warren about this, member for MacArthur. G'day, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. All right, these figures that you've obtained show the stamp duty by the state government more than tripled from $612 million back in 2011-2012 when uh, the Berejiklian government came to power, to almost $2 billion in 2015-16. We've seen the government rake in almost $13 billion in stamp duty from Western Sydney residents alone. It's crazy. Yeah, it's an an enormous amount of money. But, um, you know, the the most disturbing point is that we aren't seeing uh, that same consistent investment back in Western Sydney to, to build infrastructure, to decongest our roads and and to create local jobs for residents in Western Sydney. Ultimately, uh, all we've seen is that money taken away and spent elsewhere, um, and and we end up paying more with new tolls and other things. Well, true. Emergency department waiting times in our regional areas are among the worst in the state. Public transport is woeful. Yeah. And critical infrastructure like the M12 motorway is well behind schedule and over budget. And that's despite, you know, the billions upon billions of dollars uh, that's been taken from New South Wales uh, taxpayer pockets out in Western Sydney. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean the M12s, like you said, you know, um, budget's blown out. Um, the timeline is blown out. We haven't seen any real investment in any major infrastructure. We've seen some, I guess, um, usual things you'd expect from government. But when you're talking about the billions of dollars taken out of Western Sydney in stamp duty alone, um, and we're not seeing things that we desperately need, particularly like down in my part of the world around the south of Campbelltown, the Orbital Road and and other things like that... um, and, and, you know, we, we're seeing upgrades to hospital, but we're not seeing staff getting the investment that they need to provide sure. patients with the care they require. We're not seeing new schools built. Um, it's, it's, it is really uh, an outrageous circumstance. And, I mean, if it's good enough for this government to come out and gouge money out of the pockets of Western Sydney and local families, and it's just as good for that government to invest back in what we need. They tried to hide uh, this information from being released to the public, uh, but the Privacy Commissioner determined that the department, uh, that's Revenue New South Wales, uh, had no grounds to withhold the release of this information to the public. So what does that tell you? Well, I mean, they've obviously got something to hide, and, and we know we now know what they had to hide, and that is that they've gouged billions of dollars out of the pockets of Western Sydney, uh, that's local families, businesses, working mums and dads. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sadly, it's young families too. Um, we want to see young families um, have every opportunity to buy their first home and live in Western Sydney. Mm. Uh, this stamp duty comes out of their pockets, but we're not seeing Gladys Berejiklian and her government invested back in to roads, rail, schools, health. Well, some of your uh, colleagues have highlighted what, you know, some of the missing links are in infrastructure in Western Sydney in particular. Uh, Prue Carr's done some really good work on trying to ensure that out in some of the areas where most of the stamp duty has been reaped, uh, you mm. know, th- there's no local high school being built that was promised. There's no local primary school being built that was promised. And Chris Minns, mm. I noticed this morning, 
has uh, there's a story that involves Chris where he's calling for upgrades to a number of railway stations, in particular around the western suburbs of Sydney, places like Doonside that have been yeah. waiting for adequate access for elderly and vulnerable residents. Uh, but what mm. happens? No, the money's not spent in, I don't know, so-called Labor heartland seats out there at Doonside. The money instead goes world to old, mate, up there in one of the wealthiest areas of the North Shore, the Hornsby Shire, where Mac King can stand there, uh, get a pretty photo taken in front of a, you know, a new bus that's got his name on it because they've upgraded the railway station up there at Hornsby. Wonderful. Doesn't help people of Western Sydney. Mm. No, it doesn't. And my colleagues um, are very committed and, and I guess very aware as to the disadvantage that Western Sydney faces, and, and we will continue to highlight it. I mean, the inequity between the distribution of funding from government uh, continues, and, and they simply can't escape. And I guess going back to your your point before, um, wonder why they wanted to try and hide it because it's frankly not the right thing to do. I mean, if you're taking money uh, and revenue out of, which which is ultimately one of the largest economies in the state, uh, and not investing back in it, then that's what this government's doing, and that's exactly why they want to hide it. Well, it's not hard. I mean, if you're building, uh, you know, stacks of housing, not public housing, mind you, but if you, which should be being built in the western suburbs, I mean that I mean, imagine building public housing imagine having yeah. that as a policy creating jobs and all the rest of it and putting it back into the community, but anyway, aside from that, you know, when you, you're clearing uh, land space around Marsden Park, all of these areas, just uh, if you like west of the ponds which has already reaped billions upon billions of dollars of stamp duty and you know let's be honest these blocks of land aren't big anymore you're lucky if you get 600 square meters but you're paying a pretty penny in stamp duty just for the privilege of of getting a you know a, a built home here in sydney a house and land you get a mcmansion whatever you get with no backyard but the government certainly does all right about it so okay that's fine that's the way it it works but how about reinvesting that stamp duty back into the areas that you're actually opening up this green space, this land? I mean, I can't recall, I wouldn't imagine there'd be a lot of stamp duty revenue coming from, I don't know, up around Hornsby at the moment. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if it's good enough for the government to take the stamp duty out of these uh, new and young families moving into Western Sydney, then it's just a good for the government to invest money back in to our community in Western Sydney so that we do have uh, the schools, the hospitals, uh, the the roads, the rail and all the other services that those families need, I guess, to to have a good life um, into the future. Ultimately, we want to see um, new residents that come to Western Sydney enjoy the good life that we existing residents have enjoyed for some time. All right, I got that station wrong before with Matt Keane. It's Brooklyn Station. It's a very Mm. quiet station. They get 2,892 passengers a week. No one really goes there. It's quiet, but it has some of the best access, if you like, for elderly and and vulnerable residents who need to use public transport. It would have nowhere, absolutely nowhere near the capacity that, say, Doonside would see in Western Sydney. And yet there are, you know, women in particular, and I guess men who are vulnerable, on walking sticks and using frames and all the rest of it that can't access properly the railway station because mm. no infrastructure is built for them. <clears throat> and yet it gets built up there in Matty Keane's electorate because, you know, pork barrelling. Yeah, there is an equity uh, and it is uh, deeply disappointing and, a, and a, uh, I guess a, 
um, a very serious matter that the government continues to have to confront and explain to community. Um, I'm not going to explain that for them. They need to front up to communities and explain why they would prefer just to spend money right. on what they see as politically benefit. But um, we just need to see investment back in Western Sydney and we're not seeing it this time. One thing I do need to ask you. Yep. Uh, how happy are you with Jody McKay's leadership? Look, Jody's working very hard. I know the last few days have been a bit rough, but she's continued on with the job um, and then prosecuting uh, the opposition's case in the House. Uh, we're sitting this week. All right. Uh, I've so spoken you're to Jody not one a number of, of times. Yep, you're not one of the recalcitrants. You're not one of the so-called uh, Labor MPs here in New South Wales who are undermining Jody. No, I don't undermine anyone, whether it's right. Jody or any of my colleagues. You want to tell me Look, who is? I'm just... Um, focused on doing my job and you know i got elected and it's a privilege and <laughs> yes i mean to be honest mate i just i just focus on my job and and to be honest i also think that this is uh just a a, a bit of grubbiness from the gladys and her her government well, is it, but is it really though okay i understand what you're saying but is it really um and i'm sorry to be picking on you on this and i, I take <laughs> you at your right. word you're a, you know you're a bloke like me you've grown out in west grown up in western sydney and you know you know campbelltown penrith all of those areas mm. but i get a little concerned when people like chris minns who regularly would answer the phone in a heartbeat and come on this program is mm. now no now no longer corresponding with us so I, you can pass it on to Chris, and we're a little bit annoyed with you, mate. Are you, is Chris yeah. Minns the man behind? Or um, Because we know he's apparently said that he's harboured some ambitious plans in the future. Is Chris behind this white-handing of Jody? No, I think this is just Gladys Berejiklian and her government doing um, All right. their grubby little acts. I don't think it's got anything to do with my colleagues. Um, look, Chris works very hard. All right, so in other words... Shadow minister or colleague, so... All right, yeah. so my mate down the road is making it up then. He must be, because he says quite clearly that he's been on the phone to a number of your Labor colleagues saying that they want Jody gone. Yeah, well, I haven't heard that. Um, I haven't spoken to Chris. Chris hasn't said that to me. Um, so the only thing I've heard from Chris is him uh, taking up the fight for uh, transport issues yep. in, in, in his shadow ministerial portfolio. So, look, I, I think this is just... Um, a bit of bit of grubby slander from Gladys and her government, and, and I think the people in New South Wales deserve better. I think um, they'd rather the government got back to doing their job, uh, and their job isn't to to play you know schoolyard games and things like that. So, all right, um, mate. All of my colleagues are just focused on their job, and so am I. And yeah, we're getting on with it. Played with a straight bat as always. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you, mate. Take, Take care. care of yourself. There he is, uh, Greg Warren, uh, MacArthur MP down there in Campbelltown. He's a good bloke. He works hard for his constituents. But someone somewhere, I don't know if it's you, Chris. Come on, Chris, answer your phone, Chris Minns. I know you you appear quite regularly down the road if they told you not to come on. Wouldn't be the first time. Uh, well, when I say wouldn't be the first time, I know that a number of MPs have been told, ah, don't worry with 2SM. Don't worry. Marcus, Marcus Paul, who the hell's that? Worry about going on his show. No one listens to it. We've got news for you. They do. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. It's eight minutes away from seven. Give us a call. 13 12 69. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. Just further to uh, this situation that I mentioned in my chat with Greg Warren, the MacArthur MP. 
I mean, we don't understand. We really don't get it why Brooklyn Station, uh, the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Hawkesbury River Station, has a lift for vulnerable passengers on the train line, considering it's a very quiet station. And yet, out in the western suburbs, places like Doonside don't have a lift. I mean, no one really goes to the Brooklyn Hawkesbury River Station. No, well, actually, that's not fair. All railway stations in this day and age should have a lift that's appropriate for vulnerable, disabled, or otherwise, you know, for people that just can't take the stairs for whatever reason. Now, at Brooklyn Hawkesbury, 2,000 passengers hop on the train and get off there. 2,000 a week. Doomside, just shy of $25,000 a week. So my question to Matt Keane would be, well, hang on, Matt, why does your neck of the woods get this shiny new lift at the station and yet one's out in the heartland where the majority of the population of Western Sydney live, the majority of the population of Sydney, in fact, live? Out there in the Golden West, why do they not get the same facilities? Andrew Constance maybe can answer this question. I'm not quite sure. Why is it? that there seems to be favouritism in certain blue ribbon LNP seats, a.k.a. Matt Keane seat up there in the Hawkesbury, or the, uh, the Hornsbury River area, Hawkesbury River, Hornsby area, you know what I'm talking about, up there on the North Shore. I'm not saying for a moment uh, that people who require a lift because of disability or for old age for whatever reason, I'm not saying at all that they don't deserve a lift. Of course they do. There should be a lift for disabled people and vulnerable people at every railway station, in Sydney in particular, and right across the state. It should be mandatory. 13 12 69, the telephone number to have you say. Latest news, sport and weather coming up at 7 o'clock. Wake up in the morning. Wake up. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton charged you and I, civil taxpayers, more than $36,000 to charter a Royal Australian Air Force jet to Tasmania. And we're just supposed to cop it and move on as if, you know, we dealt with this last week. Senator Christina Keneally. No, we're not. And, and that's why in my role as Shadow Minister for Government Accountability, it's my job and that of all my colleagues, while we are in opposition, to hold this government to account because this is taxpayer money. Peter Dutton spent $36,000 for a 24-hour trip to Tasmania to announce these grants in the middle of a by-election. What do you call a fake noodle? <laughs> what do you call a fake noodle, David, my friend? An imposter. <laughs> Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, here we are. It's a Thursday morning. Great to have your company. The 18th day of February. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69. Well, as the flu shot season coincides with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine, medics are warning us to allow at least 14 days between vaccines. 
We shouldn't be lulled into a false sense of complacency about the influenza virus. It's highly infectious and it, it's important for people to continuing uh, to continue to get vaccinated. And you need to plan so you can be vaccinated for both the flu and COVID-19 pandemic in a timely manner. That's according to pharmacists. The two-week gap between jabs has been recommended by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Okay, 10 minutes after 7, let's go to Miranda on the open line. Hello, Miranda. Good morning, Marcus. I wanted to talk about stamp duty and really quickly about the vaccine, if possible. Off you go, yes. Stamp duty just needs to be abolished. If we have a single... uh, topic party, like stop stamp duty, I guarantee they'd get at least a seat because we are all <laughs> fed up with it. It's not about where and and um, how the money is spent that they collect. It's just a horrible tax. Now, you're saving to get a house. How does it make any sense that the buyer has to come up with fifty and $60,000 extra for the damn state government? How well, does that make tax. any sense? Yeah, it's money for nothing. It's exactly. money for nothing, and, yes. And GST was supposed to get rid of that. Mm. Now, it stands to reason we don't need a report to tell us that they're getting billions from that. We just need to look at the, the, the um, difference in house prices over the years. And yeah. obviously, they're getting billions off us. It's price gouging. Do you know that even with, with cars, every time a car sells, they're getting stamp duty of like 3% or something. Now, that's on top of the initial stamp duty for the price of a new car. You know, when you sell cars for the government, the government actually makes money off getting a car, using it for public servants, and then selling it. I used to sell their cars. They make a profit because taxes on stamp duty are so high. It is absolutely outrageous. It needs to go. We don't want grants for first-home buyers or, you know, dishing out money here and there with different scenarios. We want stamp duty abolished. Enough is enough. All right. Uh, what did you want to say on COVID and the vaccine? Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Um, now, I've got a lot of medicals, medical uh, people in, in our family, and I was just thinking, what happens if I know all the countries are giving priority to um, giving their medical and frontline workers the jab first, which you, one might think that makes sense, but what happens because the vaccines have not been tested out in no, terms of no, long-term no, 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 side no. effects. No, hang well, on. What? No, hang on. They've been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration and, you know, they say it's safe uh, and, you know, they obviously there may well be some side effects which they may discover in the future. I mean, vaccines don't... I mean, they're not foolproof. You can get a no. flu vaccination and also suffer from side effects. But I but just want to be very careful um, because I don't want. I'm going to be careful. I've got all my family in frontline staff, so I am yeah. being. I don't careful. want to. I don't want to have people on the program discouraging others from getting the COVID nineteen vaccine. That's what I'm not about. If something is wrong, the entire world population of medical people that we need the most will be affected. I just want to put it out there for people to think about, for, for uh, policymakers to think about. Mm, I don't think anything is wrong. Uh, if something was drastically wrong with the AstraZeneca vaccine and all the ones that have been approved worldwide and here in Australia in particular by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, we would have heard about it by now. All right, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. 13 is my telephone number.
Uh, now, people are sending us notes left, right and centre over the issue of uh, train stations, some of them not having adequate facilities, that's it, you know, lifts or ramps, etc., for people with disabilities. Charmaine's been in touch. We have the same problem at Unandera Railway Station down in Wollongong. For years, the community has fought and tried to get this station upgraded. Disabled people are literally having to drag themselves up the stairs. I remember, is that still going on down there? Down in Paul Scully's area? It's still happening there. You mean to tell me that Unandera Railways... I can remember reporting on this when I was doing a bit of work at the, uh, the old FM radio station down in Wollongong. Four year, five, three, four years ago, five years ago almost, and they were promised in the upcoming election that they'd be taken care of. So you're telling me, Charmaine, now that there's no access at Unandera still, really? <laughs> I know that they tend to ignore. When was the last time the premier of this state of New South Wales was actually in Wollongong? I mean, we've got Sydney, Newcastle, Wollongong, the three major population areas of New South Wales. And the other two spots, Newcastle and Wollongong, I mean, I don't think I've seen Gladys there often at all. Jazzy Bell says, Marcus, it took them 10 years to get Rooty Hill Station. Mount Druitt Station needs a desperate upgrade. And the line from St Mary's to Emu Plains is in dire need of an upgrade as well. Jay says, yes, Marcus, those wobbly tracks near St Mary's are absolutely insane. Okay, so what's happening out there at St Mary's? We've had a big upgrade recently and they do really good work and we congratulate, credit where it's due, we congratulated uh, City Rail or Transport for New South Wales or whatever they're called this week. We congratulated them on the work they'd done over the Sydney Harbour Bridge over the Christmas New Year period. How about they start looking at Railway lines out in the west. I would imagine, uh, you know, that track between Penrith and St Mary's needs a bit of a look at from what we're hearing. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Good morning, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I, uh, I just listened to Radio Right Wing for a minute. It's like two <laughs> different worlds. You? You, get, you go to your station and you're ripping into the government. You go to the, the other one, Radio Right Wing, they're talking about empathy, diligence, and how I felt sorry for the Prime Minister when he talked about talked to his wife and how do you feel it was your daughter? Blah blah blah. But it, it's just so different. Like it's like two different worlds. And I think Gladys is going to get a job as a radio announcer soon on that station. She's on there that much. Uh, well, she, was was she on again this morning? Was she? No, 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 no. Oh, they right. talk about. Ben Boredom's talking about uh, Morrison, but I only listened for a couple of minutes and just start laughing and change the station. It's, it's like I said, it's like two different worlds. Well, look, um, it's pretty obvious uh, where old mate Fairy Floss's allegiances lie. Uh, and look, I, I I might play this audio back. I spoke to the, a Campbell. The other thing is, yeah. like I keep saying to you, mm. could you imagine if it was the other way around, if it was a Labor minister did this? The carry-on you'd get on those on the other mob. Well, I'm being criticised for the carry-on that I'm doing, and I'm just like simply a, trying well, to like hold I the government before, to account. Like I said to you before, at least you get both sides. You have Labor and Liberal, and that mm. other little idiot on. You know who I mean, but let's not go there. 
It's, Mark, um, behave. I, I said let's not go there. Right. But um, at least you have both sides on. Well, I try to. I try as much as I can. What did you make of this yesterday? I'll play this audio and I just want to get your reaction to it just on the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Was this a, a faux pas? I'm not quite sure. Have a listen to what ScoMo said yesterday. Because I said this morning I became aware of the alleged sexual assault uh, at about 8.30 yesterday morning. That is true. That is when I became aware of it, Mr Speaker. And the first that my office... Uh, became aware of an alleged sexual assault, I'm advised, uh, was on the 5th of April of this year. <laughs> what? Huh? Sorry. Yeah, no, the, the 12th, I'm sorry, I've misread that, apologies. The 12th of February 2021. Don't say the 5th of April, don't say the 5th of April. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, the 5th of April back in 2019, Mark, was when police in Canberra first received notice of the incident and opened yeah, up the initial investigation. Like, obviously, he knows nothing about it, but that's what I say. It's just so different, listening to the different... Well, opinions of different stations. It's all very well to have empathy, and I'm, I'm sure the man yeah. does have empathy when it politically suits him. It's a little yeah. like the other week when he was there swanning around with the uh, lovely family out at Oatlands that tragically lost their kids uh, in that yeah. horrific car accident. I mean, the man can show empathy when it's when it suits him, when there's cameras around, and when he's got his photographer in tow. Absolutely, yep, he exactly. can. Yeah. You know, he'll anyway, be more backpedalling. All right, mate, thank you. Well, Anthony Albanese will be on the program after 8 o'clock. We'll have Albo on, and I'll be asking him directly, has the Prime Minister of this country misled the Australian public? More importantly, has he misled Parliament, and should he go? (laughs) It's all very well to talk about empathy. I mean, for God's sake, you want to talk about empathy? What about the $190,000 that Australian taxpayers are paying out just so this bloke can have empathy? (laughs) Since when has a Prime Minister ever required an empathy counsellor. It hasn't worked anyway. It's been another waste of money. And not only that, he goes home, speaks to his wife, Jenny, who I'm sure is a wonderful woman, and I'm sorry to bring her up, but the Prime Minister drags her into the public discussion when he says, well, you know, I went home and I spoke to Jen and she said, what if it was your daughter's? Is this bloke for real? Is this bloke for real? Do you need? You mean to tell me that the man that holds the highest office in this country needs to speak to his wife to actually find out whether an alleged rape is right or wrong? For God's sake. And I don't buy it for a moment. I'll keep repeating. I think the Prime Minister of this country is a dead-set liar and he's taking you, me and every other taxpayer for mugs. I mean, Brittany Higgins yesterday said, I've only been made aware of key elements of my own sexual assault as a result of coming forward publicly with my story. I didn't know that security guards let me into Minister Reynolds' suite. I didn't know that a security guard came into the office multiple times seeing me in a state of undress. I didn't know that they were undertaking an internal review into how the matter was handled at the time. I didn't know that they debated calling an ambulance at the time of the incident. The continued victim-blaming rhetoric by the Prime Minister is personally very distressing to me and countless of other survivors. A current senior staffer to the Prime Minister and my former Chief of Staff refused to provide me with access to the CCTV footage from that evening and continually made me feel as if my ongoing employment would be jeopardised if I proceeded any further with the matter. The government has questions to answer for their own conduct. That's directly from the 
victim of the alleged rapist. And where is this bloke? Well, apparently I mentioned to you that I know him. Well, know of him. I know he resides in Sydney. I know that he was shown the door after an initial investigation. Why was he shown the door if nothing was to see here? If, the, if nothing was... I mean, was he shown the door simply because he accessed the minister's suite after hours? And again, I don't buy it for a moment that Minister Linda Reynolds did not, did not, I repeat, tell the Prime Minister. Of course she did. Of course she did. And she should go as well. Yesterday, Tanya Plibersek said to Scott Morrison, my question is to the Prime Minister. Brittany Higgins says that the Prime Minister's Principal Secretary was aware that she had been sexually assaulted in the Defence Minister's office soon after the reported assault in March 2019. When and how did the Prime Minister first become aware of the reported sexual assault of Brittany Higgins? And then ScoMo went on and fluffed it. The first that my office became aware of an alleged sexual assault, I'm advised... I'm advised was on the 5th of April of this year. No, no, sorry, the 12th. I'm sorry, I misread that. Apologies. 12th of February 2021. That's when my office first became aware. I'm advised of an, or, you know, the first time that he was advised of an alleged sexual assault. Porkies. Absolute and utter porkies. 131269, if you would like to have your say. Marcus Paul in the morning. I mean, what about this so-called secret parliamentary inquiry? I mean, there's been so many inquiries going on, apparently, allegedly, in secret. What, do you mean to tell me that the man who holds the highest office in this country did not know about a secret parliamentary inquiry? For goodness sake. Former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins, as we know, went public with her claim that she was raped by a more senior colleague in the Parliament House office of Senator Linda Reynolds in March 2019. Several coalition and Labor senators have known about the allegations for months. I know that for a fact. Because a parliamentary inquiry was set up to secretly investigate the matter. Now, Canberra, inside the Canberra bubble, it's small... It's very, very vindictive, and it's also very gossipy. So I'm sorry, I don't buy it from... I know, I've been there, I've worked within it. I know exactly how it all works. The inquiry has heard the instant report filed by Parliament guards who found Miss Higgins half-dressed in Senator Reynolds' office were changed to soften graphic language. It's also heard the Department of Parliamentary Services may have destroyed significant evidence by immediately immediately steam-cleaning the office. Well, there's been another report apparently out to to contradict or counteract that. But irregardless, the Department of Parliamentary Services were involved in this incident's alleged rape of a young woman in the nation's capital, in Parliament House. They were aware of it. Why did they not inform the Prime Minister? Now, ScoMo, we talk about empathy. Well, he's established reviews to investigate workplace culture, but he needed to speak to his wife about that first. I didn't realise that Jenny was the chief advisor to the Prime Minister of this country. There are growing calls for an independent body to handle complaints by staff. Well, there should be a bloody well independent body to handle any kind of complaints like this because, quite frankly, Australians cannot trust their government 
to look into themselves. Come on. It's like having a criminal, if you like, alleged of a crime, deciding his own fate. Oh, you know. If, if, you, if they can't see a conflict of interest in this, then I'm not here. Absolutely, there needs to be an independent body to handle complaints by staff, not people hand-picked by the Prime Minister, the ones who he's already mentioned in the press, you know, these people who we have discovered have views that are a little, you know, aligned to his. I don't trust the people that he's put in place, not for a moment. That's why it needs to be independently sought and it need, there needs to be a whole range of MPs coming into the throw, including the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, and people from Labor, from the crossbenchers, from all walks of parliamentary life, to set up an independent body to handle complaints. Because I'm sorry, you can't trust the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister's office, or those closest to him. Less ads means more of your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. 25 minutes away from 8 o'clock. Malcolm Roberts, One Nation Senator, on the program very soon. After 8 o'clock, Leader of the Federal Opposition, Anthony Albanese. And we'll be uh, having a lot to talk about, no doubt. Mark's on the open line. Hello, mate. Yeah, morning, Marcus. How are you going? All right, thank you, Mark. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm just, um, just curious about something with the uh, alleged rape case. And if I can just say, first of all, uh, if the, this guy's guilty, may he you know, suffer the full force of the law, but at this stage, uh, we still in this country have laws that, and, uh, you know, like our democratic country, we're, whereby... Mm. We but I think you're missing the point, Mark. Proven, yeah, you, you, hang on, mate. You, you're missing the I point. Hang on, mate, mate. No, because I know where you're going to go. You're missing the point. It's not about now the story, uh, the allegation. It's not about... The allegation itself, it's about how the process, I mean, why are we hearing about this in the media? Why has this young woman felt she had no place to go other than the project with Lisa Wilkinson on Channel 10? But if it was a story two years ago, do you think journalists knew about it two years ago? And what, if so, why yes, didn't they did. They Journalists it? did know about it two weeks ago, and well, they made it, and they, they because it? they made inquiries to the government, and it was hushed up. I can tell you, I can guarantee you, that's well, exactly what happened. So journalists are hushed up in this country. Of course, is they that, are. What, how our, you just, you just realize you just realize that, have you? So, so journalists are told what they can, what they can and can't report. No, the they're government. not told what they can and can't report. <laughs> that's what you just said. Yes, but you're missing my point. You're missing my point. No, well, what is your point? My but, point, Mark, is that there would have been journalists that have known about this for quite some time that would have kept mum about it because, quite frankly... Why? why? Because they... Why? Because they side up with the government, Mark. Are you really... Okay, so why do they side up with the government? You'd have to ask them. I don't. You'd have to ask yeah, them. Ring well, 2GB, you, you ring Sky. No, hang on, mate. Ring 2GB, ring Sky. and Mark, ring 2GB and ring Sky. Ring Alan Jones. Ask him why he's supported <laughs> no. people like Tony Abbott hey, in the no. past. No, I'm asking you. You said you're a journalist. And, yes, and I am. You, were, you, you worked in Canberra. Did you, did you hush up to the government did you, or did you actually... No, because I have integrity, you, Mark. You have integrity. Yes. Okay, so, so what you're saying, for two years... Yep. When did you know about this? When did I know about the allegations? 
Yeah. Well, quite some time ago. That's because I'm okay, actually so why, friendly why with... Didn't you, why didn't you say something? It's not my place to. Not your, well, you're a journalist, aren't you? That's right, you, yes. Yeah, don't you have uh, an ethical responsibility to right, correct. let the public know? So why didn't you say something? Why? Because I knew what was coming, and I knew that this young lady who wouldn't give me an interview was going to go nationally on television. That's why, Mark. You knew she was going to go nationally on television? Yes. Well, hang on. But that's, so, so that's a good reason for you not to say anything. Well, I can't say anything if I don't have her permission to say it. It's up to her, and it's up to it's up to the individual involved. So, so, well, did anybody get the permission of the alleged perpetrator? Why does the alleged perpetrator have need? Is there any? Why does he need to have? Well, you just permission? said that the the accuser had to give you permission before you could say anything. So, shouldn't for an interview? Yes, of course. I can't. I, for, hang on, Mark. For an interview, right? you're missing the point. For an interview, yes. No, I'm not missing the point. The point is, what is the this point you're trying to make? Hushed up, right? Well, obviously, this was all hushed up. Mm. I want to know the reason why journalists weren't actually reporting this. I just explained ago. it to you because it the young. I just story. explained it to you, Mark, because the young lady wasn't prepared to come on the record with any of us apart from Lisa Wilkinson on the project. Do you not understand that? So, but why? I'm not like why the bloke. The the, hang on, thing? mate. I'm not like the bloke down the road. I won't say that someone has told me something, so I'm going to go to air with it. I like to you back it up with facts. You can't tell me that there's not source, the people in, or journalists in the ABC mm. that didn't know about the story. So why, why you know, it's, it's not just, you know, you, you seem to be obsessed, obsessed with your, your competition, mate. It's, no, I'm not obsessed by my competition. I, what I, Mark, I'm focus obsessed. Mark, no, no, no. I'm obsessed about pointing out the difference as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And you've just, you've just contradicted yourself. You've absolutely contradicted yourself. You say that I'm obsessed. No, it's got nothing to do with... I'm trying to point out to you exactly the reason why. I mean, why isn't other media... Why aren't other media outlets going as hard on the Prime Minister as I am, Mark? Can you explain that to me? Well, why didn't they report the story Ask to you? them! Ask them, Mark! Are you that stupid the you ABC. don't understand? Ask well, them! I, can't, I don't speak for the ABC, Mark. You said you knew about a month ago. We're supposed to have freedom... You know, like you, you and, I've, and I've answered your question. The reason I didn't go to air with it and the reason I wouldn't broadcast or publicise it is it because two reasons, actually. The main reason being that this young lady wouldn't come on the record with me on my program and also she's worried about her job, you know, her future. She only resigned last week. So that's how this country works, is it? Absolutely. That's under this mob, that's how this country it, works. Absolutely. Well, and that's the problem, Mark. <laughs> I don't. So why are you laughing? Saying, I don't understand why you're laughing. What, well, do you think it's a joke? What you just said. You just said that the, the this country works under extortion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> under the prime said. minister that we currently have, a hundred percent, this country works so under extortion. Do you not understand that? So what you're saying, as a journalist, yeah, that this country works simply by extortion. But you've only just realised that, have you? <laughs> 
Okay. Have you only just realised yeah. that? Have you been that naive? Well, see, that's the problem. That's why we have people like we have in federal government and in state government in New South Wales. There's a big disparity as to the reporting of events and facts as they should be. Because far too many media commentators, journalists or otherwise, are too preoccupied with self-interest and protection. The nonsense that's been going on about the New South Wales opposition leader, Jody McKay. I mean, I flat out asked this morning the uh, Labor MP, a couple of Labor MPs, I've asked a few of them, you know, what's going on with Jody? Someone's out in the media saying that, you know, you, you people want to go on. It's rubbish. It's just somebody making stuff up. Or saying, oh, I, I could get on quite easily and say, well, I spoke to a number of Labor MPs who want you gone. Who are they? Unless you're prepared to <clears throat> name these people or you can't back it up with evidence and get somebody on the record, well, then why, can you, why should you be going to air with it? Why should you be broadcasting it? And that's exactly why I wouldn't have outed this story a long time ago because I had no evidence. I had no proof. I had nobody on the record. Now the young lady involved has gone on the record and now there's evidence and the police will deal with it. But the bigger picture, the bigger issue here is not about journalists, in my opinion, anyway, Mark. It's about the Prime Minister's office. It's about Minister Linda Reynolds. It's about the surf, uh, the circumstances around the procedures of what happened after this alleged assault a couple of years ago before the last federal election was called and why, at the time, this young lady felt that she couldn't come forward. I mean, she did, to be honest. And she was basically told by uh, Michaelia Cash and others to suck it up. Just suck it up. You'll be right. You know, and then she was eventually, because of her mental health and the way she was having trouble dealing with the whole situation, she was shipped over to WA. It's all good. Out of sight, out of mind for this mob. And if you don't get it, Mark, then I'm sorry I can't help you. Happy are you with Jody McKay's leadership? Look, Jody's working very hard. I know the last few days have been a bit rough, but she's continued on with the job um, and then prosecuting uh, the opposition's case in the House. Uh, we're sitting this week. All right. Uh, I've so spoken to Jody a number of, of times. Yep, you're not one of the recalcitrants. You're not one of the so called uh, Labor MPs here in New South Wales who are undermining Jody. No, I don't undermine anyone, whether it's right. Jody or any of my colleagues. You want to tell me Look, who is? I'm just um, focused on doing my job, and you know, I got elected, <laughs> and it's a privilege. And yes, I mean, to be honest, mate, I just I just focus on my job, and and to be honest, I also think that this is uh, just a, a a bit of grubbiness from the Gladys and her her government. Well, is it, but is it really though? Wales okay. I understand what you're saying, but is it really? Um, and I'm sorry to be picking on you on this. And I, I take you at your word. You're a you know you're a bloke like me. You've grown out in west, grown up in Western Sydney, and you know you know Campbelltown, Penrith, all of those areas. Mm. But I get a little concerned when people like Chris Minns, who regularly would answer the phone in a heartbeat and come on this program, is mm. now no now no longer corresponding with us. So I, you can pass it on to Chris, and we're a little bit annoyed with you, mate. Are you, is Chris yeah. Minns the man behind 
or um, because we know he's apparently said that he's harboured some ambitious plans in the future. Is Chris behind this white handing of Jody? No, I think this is just Gladys Berejiklian and her government doing um, All right. their grubby little acts. I don't think it's got anything to do with my colleagues. Um, look, Chris works very hard. All right, so in other words... shadow minister colleague, so... All right, yeah. so my mate down the road is making it up then. He must be, because he says quite clearly that he's been on the phone to a number of your Labor colleagues saying that they want Jody gone. Yeah, well, I haven't heard that. Um, I haven't spoken to Chris. Chris hasn't said that to me. Um, so the only thing I've heard from Chris is him uh, taking up the fight for uh, transport issues yep. in, in, in his shadow ministerial portfolio. So, look, I, I think this is just um, a bit of, bit of grubby slander from Gladys and her government. And I think the people in New South Wales deserve better. I think um, they'd rather the government got back to doing their job uh, and their job isn't to, to play, you know, schoolyard games and things like that. So all, right, um, mate. all of my colleagues are just focused on their job, and so am I, and, yeah, we're getting on with it. Played with a straight bat as always. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, there he was this morning, um, Labor MP from Campbelltown. Uh, yeah, Greg Warren is a pretty honest bloke. Who is it then? Is it anybody? I doubt it very much. I really doubt it. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Thirteen to eight. Uh, we're going to go in just a couple of moments and catch up with Malcolm Roberts, One Nation Senator. Alrighty, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. If you would like to have your say, Marcus Paul in the morning. It's it's been a little willing this morning, and uh, look, I appreciate that. You know, some people are going to have different ideas, uh, but Mark, I'm not going to. Uh, have you on here basically having a crack at me and bringing my integrity into question. Again, I'll repeat it, Mark, so you understand. Yes, there are journalists in this country of ours, commentators, whose opinion differs to mine, and and they will support Scott Morrison. They will support Peter Dutton. They will support Linda Reynolds, and they'll support the LNP come hell or high water. That's just what they do. I don't obviously, because I believe there has been far too much corruption, mismanagement of public funds, and ultimately a lack of empathy shown by people like Scott Morrison, who needs to speak to his wife to in, or- in order to work out that rape is wrong. For God's sake, please. Anyway, thirteen twelve sixty nine. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Marcus. How are you? Good. Sorry to keep you uh, waiting for so long. It's been a very busy morning. Uh, We've got Anthony Albanese on the program very soon. I need to ask you, you are in that space in the nation's capital. It's a story that everybody's talking about. What's your take on the alleged rape inside a minister's office in Parliament House going back two years ago? Um, Do you believe the government has handled this appropriately? I haven't been that involved, but... uh because I know that the um, the police have been invited to be involved or, or recommended that they be involved, so I fully support that the police and the court processes processes take this uh, take care of this, and I also uh, respect the privacy of the lady involved and acknowledge her courage to speak up about such matters in in such a public arena it 's very, very difficult, and I was talking to um, someone who is familiar with some of the not the circumstances of this case but Parliament House uh, over the years. Um, you know, and he said 
what the Labor Party is doing and what the Greens are doing is really going to put a lot of pressure on the lady herself. And that's not what's needed. What we need is the facts Hang on, when you say and the police. The Labor Party and the Greens are doing. What do you mean by that? What are what are they doing? Well, they're exploiting the issue to hurt a, and hurting a young woman for political advantage. Well, no, not really, Malcolm. Oh, yes, I think they are, Mike. But how? She, she decided to go uh, national with her story, so it was already out there. It's not as if Labor or the Greens or anybody else brought it up but itself. That's fine, and, and yeah. that's why I applaud her courage, Marcus, but mm. the, uh, it needs to be not made a political football. But it is a political story. If, if, <laughs> but do, are you, are you, do you, can you honestly tell me, Malcolm Roberts, that you believe that the Prime Minister of this country, the man who holds the highest office in the land, didn't know about this incident uh, up until earlier this week? That's a different question. You're on the right but, track but there. It, no, it goes straight to the heart no, of no, the matter. The, we don't, we don't need to make it a political issue because this woman then becomes a football. She's going to be under so much pressure it could destroy her. Hopefully she'll come out of it very strong. But the police and the courts are there to look after issues like this. And that's okay, but isn't, isn't that issue of the alleged incident itself, isn't that a separate issue to, to the way that the federal government from the Prime Minister down has handled it from the very beginning. Isn't that a separate issue? There, there are many instances where I believe the Prime Minister has run away from the truth and, and hidden and sometimes built facades to hide things. That's, that's the nature of, of this government and also, sadly, mm-hmm. this opposition. Right. There's very little in the... I've said it repeatedly, Marcus. The problem with this country, every single major problem you care to mention has its roots, you can trace it straight back to Canberra. And every one of those problems, you can trace its roots to decisions made without the data and contrary to the data quite often. Uh, you know, and this is, this is what, what you're, you're going to the core of the issue of what's destroying our country and bringing it down. Politicians basing, um, basing policies and decisions on vested interests, ideology, uh, opinions without foundation, emotions, and playing games to look good and not doing good. We've got, got to get away from this trying to look good rather than do good. We need politicians to do good. All right, you say the ALP is lost in playing catch-up on the problem of casuals. Uh, you're working on a solution for employers and employees. Tell me about it. Yes, and, and we have to recognise that the casuals problem is a long, long-seated and that the government has exacerbated it by not doing anything about the, the abuse and exploitation of miners in the Hunter Valley. Uh, starting six years ago, they could have done something. That's where it happened. But let's go back to the root cause. The root cause of this is very complex industrial relations laws that are so difficult for small businesses to sort out because what the laws do by being complex, mate, is that they drive the need for lawyers. And small business can't afford lawyers. So yeah. what you find is that a lot of small business owners just automatically go to casuals because it's simpler. Mm. Now, that gave them uh, a good relationship with their workforce, and you can do that kind of thing in a small workforce. But then we saw the mining companies, and particular BHP, jumping on the labour hire firms. And not all of them are bad, but some of the labour hire firms are, are exploiting miners. Mm. Chandler McLeod and Hunter Valley we've talked about. Yeah. And they rorted it. And they abused it. Now, the Labor Party has not only abandoned these miners in the Hunter Valley, the Labor Party has tried to misrepresent my pursuit of this issue for the last 20 months. So they have condoned it. We've also seen, and I've got to call out this, the CFMEU and, and praise the CFMEU at the national level for their mining division, because Mr. Bukarika, in answer to my questions in um, Townsville mm. week before last, he acknowledged that the CFMEU and the Hunter Valley 
has not done the right thing. That's what he acknowledged. And, he, and, and I say quite clearly that the CFM, the problems with the Hunter Valley casuals are due to the CFMEU in the Hunter Valley, the government, BHP and Chandler McLeod. And that's, that's made a blight right across the industry. We have to sort that out. But what, we, what the government has done, I believe, is coming in to rescue its big corporate mates and not really caring for about casuals. We've got a definite... There are three issues we've got with the casuals in this uh, casuals topic in this new draft legislation. All right. We've got uh, the first of all, they're trying to define the casuals. They're making it even more complex and, and more confusing. Secondly, and, and but we need a definition, but it needs to be practical. So we'll work with the government on sorting that out and making it practical for, for miners and for employers and for workers. And so we'll also... That there's a, a casual conversion, so people who have been working casual for a while, they can get a conversion or an offer of work to convert to full-time. We like that idea, yes, but good. again, it's not much responsibility on the employers here and not much accountability. All right. The third one we're really worried about, and that's the offsetting claims, because it looks like the government is trying to protect its big corporate mates at the expense of everyday workers and we're not going to cop that we're just not going to cop it i will stand firm on this one we have to make changes to that the offsetting clause section 545a all right malcolm great to have you on the program sorry it's been a little rushed today and (laughs) a little willing at times but we love that that's what our democracy is all about an exchange of ideas thank you mate see you mate talk soon there he is one nation senator malcolm roberts Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Gee whiz, I didn't realise that people loved pizza so much and that cheese, salami and extra onion could lead to extra profits. Fast food giant Domino's delivered three pizzas every second. What? Three pizzas every second during the global COVID-19 lockdown last year, helping boost their first half profit by a third. Brisbane-based Domino's reported a 32.8% increase in half-yearly profit from $96.2 million on a 16.5% hike in sales to $1.84 billion. It's a lot of bloody pizzas, eh? It's a lot of extra cheese on top with... Nice profits on the side. Not bad. 13, 12, 69, the telephone number. Look, after 8 o'clock, we need to take a, a break or two. We're a little behind, but a very important conversation, I think, coming up with Leader of the Opposition, Anthony Albanese. He will join us exclusively here on Marcus Paul in the morning, right after the 8 o'clock news, uh, which we're counting down to. If you would like to have your say, 2smsupernetwork.com via the email or 13, 12, 69. It's 8 o'clock. What's your name? Marcus, Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. 13, 12, 69, Anthony Albanese on the program very soon. Chris, are you there, mate? I, I am, Marcus. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. Off you go. What do you want to talk about? Uh, Linda Reynolds and the, and the business at, at Parliament House. I've got two comments, actually. Off you go. Um, when, when she found out about this incident, which was pretty close after it, I take it it was her security that uh, that originally brought it to her attention. She should have reported that directly to the police and that should have been dealt with 
like a, it's more or less like concealing a crime, I believe. All right, um, yeah. Uh, and that's all I wanted to say about that. Like, it's her responsibility. How she can get away with not reporting that is beyond me. Well, that's why, there, that's why there needs to be an at-arm's-length from government fully independent review into what's gone wrong, what procedural breakdown has occurred, and whether or not there's any uh, substantial evidence to suggest a cover-up. I believe well, there has been, uh, but we need to hear evidence. Right. The, the other one was with the Liberal and Labor Party. The, the Labor Party in the past has had its share of controversial behaviour, as well as the Liberal Party at the moment. Like, even Eddie Obeid has, has walked away from all that business with the coal. Like, a, it's a, the whole show is unbelievable. That's all I wanted to say. All right, mate. Thank you. Uh, Look, yeah, absolutely. Uh, But Eddie Obeid is also in a stack of trouble and he's had his day in court and he's served time. And, you know, uh, there's a big difference. And I was waiting and I I see online that already uh, a lot of people are bringing out the old Labor did it line. I was wondering when that would come into play. Uh, And that's beside the point. Again, that's a distraction. We're not talking about Eddie O.B., we're not talking about Bill Shorten, we're not talking about anybody, but this current incident whereby a young staffer working (laughs) under a Liberal minister was allegedly raped in her office. That's what we're talking about. Everything else, anything that's happened in the past or anything that may happen in the future is, well, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Uh, with hindsight, we can all, you know, upon recollection, uh, you know, talk about things that have happened in the past. What we need to do is ensure that they don't happen in the future. And unfortunately, uh, you know, this incident, whether it proves to be true or not, needs to be investigated because it's now a part of the public discussion right across our country. It can't be further hushed up by anybody. And it should be investigated. It's a serious allegation made in what is supposed to be one of the safest and most secure buildings of our country. 13, 12, 69, the number. Okay, 11 and a half after 8. Because they specialise in strata complex unit and commercial building repairs or upgrades, Network Construction Services are the remedial building specialists that you can trust. Whether it's structural repairs, facade and cladding replacement, waterproofing, upgrades to electrical and fire services, improving accessibility, concrete cancer repairs... The works, well, they'll do it at Network Construction Services for you. They bring together over 70 years of combined industry experience. So if you need repairs, refurbishments or maintenance to your strata complex unit or your commercial building and you need it completed on time within budget and to the very highest standards of quality, Network Construction Services are the leaders in remedial building work. You can find out more at networkconstructionservices.com.au or call them on 98 08 Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. All right.
right, it's 16 minutes after 8. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69, 2smsupernetwork.com. Anthony Albanese is Federal Labor Leader. He joins us on the program. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Good to be with you again. Thank you. It's been some week there in Canberra, has it not? Oh, look, it certainly has. I don't think it's... uh, Well, it's certainly very clear that it's not Parliament's uh, finest uh, week uh, that we've had. Uh, There are major issues, of course, confronting the country, including the pandemic, the need to roll out the vaccine, uh, issues of uh, the two million people who are unemployed or underemployed. But, of course, there's also been a focus on uh, the reported sexual assault uh, that uh, occurred uh, in the Defence Minister's own office of, of Brittany Higgins and, and her, uh, her bravery in coming forward. Absolutely. One Nation on this program this morning has accused you of politicising the issue. I disagreed uh, quite strongly with Malcolm Roberts when he made that accusation this morning. So I'll put it to you. Uh, I don't believe you have, but how would you respond to that? Well, I I haven't. Um, I wasn't aware of this issue. Uh, this is a, a, an issue uh, whereby uh, this uh, woman, uh, Ms Higgins, has come forward uh, with an account and uh, the government have had uh, different statements at different times, some of which have contradicted each other. Uh, Brittany Higgins put out a statement yesterday Uh, saying, uh, to quote her, the continued victim-blaming rhetoric by the Prime Minister is personally very distressing to me and countless other survivors. Uh, That was a statement uh, that she made, and she concluded her statement with the government has questions to answer for their own conduct. Well, do they? Do you agree with what Brittany Higgins says? Does the government have questions to answer? And should the Prime Minister perhaps explain again why... Uh, people are alleging that he's misled Parliament with some statements that he's made into when or not, whether or not his uh, office or he himself had not known about these allegations until, what, recently, just two, three days ago? Well, that's, that's right. I mean, there, there are two issues. One is uh, when did uh, the Prime Minister's office know the, the person who was uh, the Chief of Staff uh, to the Defence Minister at the time was a former... Uh, staff member of the Prime Minister and is a current uh, staff member of the the Prime Minister. And uh, so the statement that uh, his office uh, wasn't aware of these issues needs to be reconciled with that fact. Um, the facts just need to be out there. Um, Ms Higgins has said that she was denied access to the CCTV footage from uh, that evening and uh, her statement yesterday uh, requires a, a, an honest and transparent response uh, surely, from the government. Though, surely, Anthony, if there's been a number of so-called secretive uh, investigations and inquiries, parliamentary inquiries into this incident, surely uh, the chain of command would dictate that the Prime Minister, the man who holds the highest office in this land, would have damn well known about it. I, I can't I mean, even others, uh, including Peter Credlin and including uh, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, have come out saying that it's just not credible that Scott Morrison did not know about this alleged rape in one of his key ministers' offices back in 2019, ahead of the last federal election. 
Well, it, they've they've made very clear statements about it. Uh, the the prime minister needs to respond, I guess, in in two ways. One is uh, to state exactly what the timeline is here, and uh, if it's the case uh, that uh, this occurred just fifty metres from his office, that there was uh, contact between his. Uh, Principal Private Secretary and Ms Higgins, um, uh, you know, more than once, uh, close to the timing of the incident, and then again uh, at the time that the Four Corners program uh, yes. was uh, being uh, produced last this year. This is Finkelstein, apparently the fixer, who, you know, uh, looks after damage control for the government. Look, I know you need to be very careful here, Anthony, but I guess the question, the main thing that I want to ask you this morning before we move on to other issues is should the Prime Minister of this country step aside? Because I believe, personally, that he's misled the Australian Parliament, he's misled the people of this country, and I don't buy for a moment, Anthony Albanese, that Scott Morrison did not know that this young woman had been allegedly raped inside, well, less, as you've put it, less than 50 metres from his office. It's, it's inconceivable to me, and I think it's inconceivable to the majority of Australians. It doesn't pass the pub test. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Well, well it is quite extraordinary, uh, these revelations. And then also, if, uh, if the account of the Prime Minister is correct, how has the Defence Minister kept her job? Uh, I just find uh, the fact that uh, All right, should the, Linda the, Reynolds go then? Well, the, I asked the Prime Minister uh, this week in Parliament if he had confidence in her uh, because I, I can't see uh, how uh, this all, all, all stacks up. What we need here is just transparency for people to, to say what happened and when. Uh, I think that Ms Higgins deserves uh, nothing less than that. Well, putting that aside, I think the Australian public deserve to know how and why it's taken so long and how a young woman can go on national television and announce to the world effectively that a, uh, an alleged rape has occurred in the parliamentary suite of a uh, Liberal MP in Canberra in our heart of democracy. And yet, you know, she felt fearful of losing her job had she made a big song and dance about it up until now. I mean, this poor woman has effectively given up her career. She's unemployable now within the public service, most likely, and her life is ruined. Well, this is the, the Defence Minister's office, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of the most serious uh, offices in the land, and uh, the uh, reported incident occurred uh, in, in the middle of it, on, on the couch, uh, it, it's just uh, an extraordinary story, and, and we do need uh, very clear answers. I wrote to uh, the Prime Minister saying, uh, asking for, I issued a media release, I asked him personally in Parliament uh, about an independent inquiry. Uh, I'm pleased that uh, he has now agreed to that. Um, quite clearly, you know, I, I haven't sought uh, to politicise this this issue, but you, you can't have no questions being asked no, when an incident like this occurs uh, in our national parliament. All right, TAFE, uh, let's move on to this issue, Anthony. TAFE is where people learn the skills that will build our future. Jobs like social work, aged care, metal work and engineering. We have more than 2 million unemployed or at least looking for more work in our country. We have a skills shortage. Is TAFE the answer? 
Absolutely it is. We need to rebuild TAFE. Uh, TAFE has to be at the centre of our, our training programs. Uh, it has uh, served uh, many tens and hundreds of thousands of Australians well over a long period of time. One of the things that struck me uh, was uh, when I was up in, in Cairns as part of my Queensland visit uh, that you have devastation for the tourist community uh, but you also have uh, a, a skill shortage when it comes to chefs uh, even under those circumstances. We have massive skill shortages uh, in the traditional trades like bricklaying. There's shortages of uh, people with engineering skills. Uh, there's shortages uh, of plumbers. Yeah. Uh, people out there will know if they've tried to get an electrician, it can often be very difficult. And, and these are well-paid jobs. Uh, these are jobs that Australians should be trained for and we should be employing Australians first rather than relying upon imported labour, which is what we've done, uh, which is very short-sighted. Uh, there's been $3 billion ripped from TAFE. We have 140,000 less apprentices and trainees today than we did when this government came to office in 2013. Yeah. Anthony, it's great to have you on the program. I appreciate it this morning, and we'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Federal Labor leader, Anthony Albanese. <laughs> I see the Northern Conference of the Junior Touch Footy State Cup starts Friday in Port Macquarie and runs through until Sunday in a COVID-safe environment. The event features hundreds of teams competing from the under-10s through to the under-18s division. Look, unfortunately, the weather might not play its part. They're expecting a few showers. Anyway, the event will push forward regardless. Good luck to all the teams and families converging on Port Macquarie from all over northern New South Wales. Northern New South Wales in particular. Okay, a comfy new lounge made and delivered in three to four weeks. Well, that's exactly what you get from Chili Pit Lounge Design, Sydney's favourite lounge manufacturer. Sit back, unwind and relax in your Chili Pip Lounge, custom made to suit your needs and reflect your lifestyle. At Chili Pip Lounge Designs, you can choose from a wide selection of styles available in fabric or leather. And anything is possible. Your Chili Pip Lounge is made for you the way you want it. So whether you're watching a movie, having a laugh with friends or cuddling with that someone special, you will love spending time on your Chili Pip Lounge. Home is where your Chili Pip Lounge is. Go to chilipip, that's C-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-P.com.au or telephone 1300 79 75 16. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Okay, 22 minutes away from nine. Our Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Di Coveney Garland, in a moment. Mary, hello, how are you? Good morning, Marcus. Morning, Mary. What's on your mind? Just very, very disturbing about this poor girl, Brittany, that she's been let down on so many so many ways between the perpetrator leaving her there like a rag doll, between the security that they had no question why somebody's walking into a defense office, which is defense office for goodness sake. How could somebody just walk in there anytime? What the security didn't have any question? And then the between prime minister. Uh, 
Tolo, Cash and Reynolds and their chief of staff pushing this down the line. We know nothing. When when Four Corners investigated um, Fletcher and... Um, yeah, I know what... Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, he should have... She should have pulled some ease. He should have... He should have really slapped some faces. Yeah, well... Maybe maybe not that far, but yes, you're right. There are a lot of questions that need to be asked, and I believe it starts, well, from the initial incident itself, whether it's security. I mean, these two, regardless of what may or may not have occurred allegedly afterwards uh, in the office of a Minister of the Crown, these two should never have been in there. Uh, the young lady probably should have been put in an Uber and sent home. That's what should have happened if this more senior... Liberal staffer had done the right thing in the first place. Look, again, we're going to have to leave it probably because, you know, it's now becoming a police investigation, something it damn well should have from the very beginning. All right, 13, 12, 69, the number. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane coveney Oh, here she is. Hello, Di. Hello. How are you going? I'm well. We've got somebody special joining us we for do. our segment this morning. Can you introduce this guest? This is my sister, Donna, who lives in Texas in the United States, and they're currently kind of snowed in, aren't you? Good morning, Donna. Good morning. How are you going? How's the, how's the weather over there? <laughs> it really is something. It, it's so beautiful, but it's so cold, and, and this is really something that um, most Texans, and even myself being Australian, have never seen. Um, we would normally get a slight dusting of snow each winter, but I'm standing out on the back patio looking at over six inches of snow, at least, uh, wow. just blanketing everything. It's crazy. Yeah, so what's the temperature down to? Uh, I think today we've actually warmed up slightly and we're at about 21 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, okay. I'm uh, not, not sure of the exact uh, conversion, but I think it's something around mm, maybe minus 6 degrees Celsius, wow. somewhere in that. How so low did we it... We have been down as well, about minus 15, so... <laughs> That's unbelievable. And, and how much snow have you had to deal with? And, and, and this is a very rare occurrence for, for Texans, is that right? It really is. I actually believe, um, from what I've been reading, that this is a one in 100 year event. I'm not sure of the accuracy of that, but uh, yeah, it's really nothing that I've ever witnessed or anybody I know has witnessed here in Texas before. And do you still have power? Because I was reading a lot of places don't have power at the moment because of uh, so many issues. So we are the lucky ones. Um, We are slightly out of the city. We're about an hour north of Dallas. And our power has remained on. It's flickered a few times. But just about every single person I know, especially in the larger cities, have been without power. Some for you know, on rolling blackouts, they may go without power for half an hour to 90 minutes at a time before it comes back on. But others, I've got friends that have not had power for three days. And that's that's getting pretty serious. What about uh, family life? How has uh, the deep freeze in Texas affected your family (laughs) life, you know, getting little ones off to school and, and, you know, getting to work and all the rest of it? 
She has chickens. Well, um, due, to, <laughs> due to the severity and the amount of snow that we've had, um, they've, they've closed the schools. Oh, okay. And only go. essential workers, like healthcare workers, are mm. really traveling to and from. Some of the stores have closed as well um, because the roads, we're just not set up to cope with the ice and snow. Uh, for a prolonged period, yeah. you just can't drive on these roads. It's too dangerous. But you have been having a bit of fun. I've seen the photos. <laughs> yes, we, we live in the country a little, so we have a four-wheeler, and my husband's dream was to ride it to the store to get coffee if this ever happened. And, I mean, this was a fantasy. <laughs> well, <laughs> today we didn't quite make the store because it was so cold, but we did get out on the four-wheeler and... We had a lot of fun oh, exploring. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on, Donna. I hope you uh, you've, things thaw out for you uh, sooner rather than later and try and stay as warm as you possibly can, okay? We will. We're the lucky ones. My heart goes out to all of those that have absolutely no heating and uh, frozen pipes and all sorts of mess. So thank you so much, guys. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the walk back home. All right. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right. All right. There she is, uh, Donna Garland, who's, uh, of course, Di, your sister. She is, What yep. led to Donna living all the way over there in Texas? Oh, she married a Texan. Oh, so, right. yeah, 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 met yeah. married a Texan. Did he have, a like, a, a cowboy hat? No. <laughs> Was it over a roulette table or something? <laughs> no. Where did they meet? Well, they met, or oh, they actually uh, met through a friend. Okay, lovely. And um, in Australia. Oh, in and Australia. Then, and yep. then she went back, yeah. All right. Mm. Well, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. It's just amazing. And the photographs are incredible. And it's warmed up to minus six degrees. Oh, <laughs> crazy. Thanks, Daisy. Thank you. Diane Coveney-Garland, our Queen Bear the Newsroom. She'll join us uh, for the news at nine o'clock and during the John Laws Morning Show around the Super Radio Network. It's now a quarter to nine. By the way, tomorrow, as you know, Friday, we do a happy hour segment. Something very special tomorrow from eight o'clock for happy hour. Australian songstress Amy Shark. Now, Amy has a brand new song out. It's uh, written, uh, co-written by Keith Urban and also Ed Sheeran. Now, Ed Sheeran doesn't feature in the, the, the track itself, but Ed, uh, but Keith Urban does. But it'll be great to catch up with Amy Shark. Uh, she's one of Australia's best songstresses going around at the moment. Uh, what a voice. Big talent from the Gold Coast. 13, 12, 69, we'll go to Canberra next with Christina in the capital. Marcus Paul in the morning. Good morning to you all. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. All right, on the email, Ben says, G'day, Marcus, while I totally understand your frustration with the Prime Minister's comments about the alleged sexual assault, I think you must consider that a plan of plausible deniability has been enacted. Is it not obvious to you? Also, aren't we rushing to judgment before all the facts are known? How can people be calling for Scott Morrison to step down when Miss Higgins' allegations have not been proven in a court of law and the alleged assailant has not yet been charged by police? Honestly, what happened to innocent until proven guilty? Have you abandoned this standard? Regards, Ben. No, Ben. No, as I said before, the issues are completely separate. The issue of whether or not the alleged assaults occurred will be dealt with now by police. The other issue is how it was handled by the government from the Prime Minister's office down. 
there are two separate issues. Regardless of not or whether it's proven uh, in a court of law, that will be up to uh, the system. But there's also a system, I would have thought, inside what is supposed to be the most secure place in our country, uh, and that is Parliament House. Now, why is there so much... Well, as Anthony Albanese told me on the program in the last half hour, why is there so many differentiating accounts? Why has the government, I guess in a way, put out a number of statements that are are conflicting? Why have certain ministers apologised? Why do some refuse to? I mean, there's a lot of questions to be asked. You're right, Ben. Uh, yeah, whether or not the actual assault or alleged rape, whatever you want to call it, took place, that will be determined by a court of law. We understand that. But how did it come to be that a then 24-year-old woman felt that she could not go, go uh, to the police earlier on in the investigation and, and see it come to fruition normally because she felt that she was going to lose her job or her career? It's very clear that that's what she says. She eventually left, and that only happened in the last week or so. Brittany decided she couldn't deal with it anymore. She couldn't handle it. I mean, next thing you know, she could have been shipped off somewhere else besides WA. Again, out of sight, out of mind, perhaps, for the government. There are plenty of questions that need to be asked, and I believe they need to be answered from the Prime Minister down. 13 12 69, the telephone number. David, uh, have you got something for me, mate? What is pointless? What is pointless? To tell a bald guy a hair-raising story. Oh, David. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you feel you've got something to say, go and do it right away. Pick up the phone, get on the line. 13, 12, 69. reminder, a very special guest tomorrow on the program for happy hour after 8 o'clock, Australian songstress Amy Shark. I'm looking forward to that and playing her new song that features the talents of Ed Sheeran and, of course, also uh, Mrs Nicole Kidman. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengrand. I am referring to Keith Urban, of course. He hates that. Hello, Christina. How are you? Not there. All right. We've lost Christina, Justin. Um, and I've lost Justin. Oh, there he is. We'll see if we can get her back. We haven't got a lot of time now. 13 12 69, the telephone number. We'll see how we go. Uh, give us a call. Marcus Paul in the morning. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengrand. Yes, no. Nothing happening. No, you're shaking your head. All right. I'll go to this instead then. Pink and her daughter Willow. I love this. I've been dreaming. Ah, it's so cute, isn't it? Now, there she is. Pink and her daughter Willow. Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning.
Thank you for being there with us this morning on a Thursday. It is the 13th day. Is it the 13th? No, what am I talking about? What's the date? It's not the 13th. It's the 17th. I'm four days ahead of myself. It's been so damn busy. Thank you for your emails, your SMSs, texts, and for being a part of the program. Plenty, uh, including my chat with Anthony Albanese. And my earlier conversation with Greg Warren, MP, over Jody McKay's future, they're all up there on our social media. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Just go to 2smsupernetwork.com and click on our show page. The John Laws Morning Show is next. Have a wonderful day, Jeff. Like that.